Der Knopf ist von einem Purm, das kann ich mir eh denken. So blöd, so kommt man da. Ein Mädchen ist bedient, du Gras, am Beischel, sie heißt Straße. Ich beutle stets mein Staub durchaus, die Richt vor ihrer Nase. Und fängt sie dann zu husten an, Spät schleimt sie und spuckt Blut sie. Sag als perfekter Gentleman, ich höflich gut sie, gut sie. Der Gemeindebot, obwohl es auf der anderen Seite ist, der EVP heißt, er war es besser, weißt du, geh lieber mal arbeitslos, weil du aufstehst, du Künstler, weißt du, ein Kulturgruschen da oben, das scheiße, kannst du eh, wie jetzt hast du genug, nicht einmal. Ich sprach zu einem Mägdelein, du hast nur einen Haxen, das macht ja nichts, seit trotzdem mein. Dir doch nicht erwachsen, da bracht sich mir das Mäcklentar im weißen Bettgehege, der abgehackte Achsel war mir durchaus nicht im Wege.
listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Nicholas Mahler. Uh, he is an Austrian cartoonist. I think it's the first Austrian I've actually had on the show. Um, his latest book is Angel Man from Fanographics, as well as uh, Van Helsing's Night Off and The Lone Racer from Top Shelf Books, um, a book I was lucky enough to find at a local French language store, uh, Poems. Uh, from uh, Quebecois publisher Le Pastèque, as well as a slew of different anthologies, including the much-missed Fanographics Mome. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Nicholas. Hi. Uh, Thanks for having me. <laughs> now, it, looking through your work, um, I'm kind of really curious um, your influences in comics because you have a very um, distinctive style and uh, so I'm just wondering about your background um, especially being in Austria and I don't really know much at all about Australian comics um, what what were you into um, as a young man getting into comics well, I, when I started reading comics, of course, I read superheroes and uh, Asterix and Donald Duck comics, but those weren't really influences. The, the main influence, and it's still the main influence, is uh, American newspaper comics from the 30s. This was what I discovered when I was about, I don't know, 15, 16. This was Crazy Cat. And Windsor McKay, those were the things that are really uh, important to my drawing style, I think. Wouldn't you have guessed when you looked <laughs> at the drawing? Um, Crazy Cat. I, I, I can, think I, it's rather obvious. Yeah, it, I didn't think about um, Harriman at first, uh, but just as you're mentioning the 30 strips, I was definitely thinking Crazy Cat and maybe uh, Seeger, uh, the Popeye. Cartoonist. Yeah, I didn't really read Sega a lot, but I like the look of it. But it's a bit overwhelming. The the Popper collections for me, it's a bit overwhelming to read. Yeah, a lot of nonstop um, action. And and also Crazy Cat is a tough read for me, especially in the in the English original um, editions. I have to admit, I didn't really read everything by Harry Man. I just like the look and then some some pages of it. It's more like the kind of expression in drawing that is appealing to me. It's is it like the um how he's able to really um do you mind me by uh, distill the work down into like its base properties? I think it's the openness what you can do with uh, rather minimal drawing that's what is appealing to me so he has simple forms and he can do anything with them from the page layout and the design and the kind of storytelling and it's all very I don't like very um, elaborated work I like it very boiled down and still uh, with a certain amount of openness, 
So you can imagine everything could happen in the drawing, in the story. That's what I like. There's something about the um, the humor I can see crossing over in that it's very um, subdued. Yeah, and do you think it's um, something in common with Harry Man? Well, I th- I could s- when you mention it, it I can I can see that like it's not um like a lot of humor is very in your face, but your work is more of a kind of quiet, um, kind of part of just how people are acting. Yeah, I don't know if people are acting. (laughs) In Austria, maybe, but (laughs) not in Canada or the U.S., I think. I think it's amusing that in France, in in Paris, I got a lot of uh, fellow artists who like my work, and if you've been to France, it's a very fast and very loud and uh, very energetic city, and the people, the French, are very outspoken and, and fast. And they like the slowness of my books. I think for some people this is a kind of um, a strange view on life that they are, don't really um, experience themselves. Because in Austria everything is very, is very slow, mm-hmm. very laid back. And I think this reflects the atmosphere of the city. Do you have but a? For, yeah. Go ahead. But for you, it must be um, something different, I guess. The slowness. Oh. How did you experience it while reading it? Um. T- to me, my experience was very much just um, kind of getting caught up in the characters, especially in work like uh, Angel Man or. Um, the the lone racer um it's just kind of part of the routine i just i like the um trying to figure out how to put the words right together (laughs) um i don't know it's i just enjoy the humanness to it i guess it's very Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um humanistic yeah that's very important to me Although in, in Germany there have been a lot of reviews, especially from comic fans, that think uh, my work is very cold and very cynical. And I never understood this, actually. But for them it's like making fun of everything and everybody. And of course I make fun of the comic nerds all the time. But I like them, in a way. But of course, they are, uh, it's, uh, the comic fandom is just a good um, microcosmos. You know what I mean? It's like it's a tiny world itself, and you can make fun of everything. But that doesn't mean you don't like the people or that you are mean to them. And I really try to be very soft, in a way, about my characters. Um, reading Angel Man, I didn't feel like you were making fun of the audience as much as I felt you were making fun of the uh, the system. 
Yeah, of course, but the the audience is part of it. And of course, I make fun of them. And that's for sure, but I make fun of all the other characters too. And um, yeah, I hope it does not come as mean-spirited because I really, what I really detest is the art scene. This is a scene where I would really make uh, mean jokes about because I'm a bit in the art scene, I'm a bit in the comic scene, and I much prefer the comic scene and the people in the comic scene to the people in the art scene. In your in some of the stories you have in Moam, you talk a little bit about that, about your experience in college. Um, I, I guess it was in graduate school? No, Did it you... was uh, after. Uh, it, Maybe you mean a different story. There's one with my uh, teacher in drawing where it was about. It was about that. Uh, I have no idea, seven, eight years old. And then later there are stories uh, from art school after I graduated. Yeah, it was the one about um, the painting teacher. Um, yeah, this is uh, art school after graduation. Okay. And uh, it didn't take me. Did you go to to art school itself? Um, or did you take different stuff for your education? Um, sorry, I didn't understand the question. Did, no. did you go to university? No, no, no. I wanted to, but it didn't take okay. me. You have, if, if you want to study art in Austria, you have to um, take those exams, tests. And they tell you, yes, we, you, you can uh, study in the art school or not. And for me, it was a big problem at this time because it was um, beginning of the 90s and in Austria, beginning of the 90s, comic, doing comics was just the evil, the most unartsy thing you could think of. So if you, I went there, and if you show them you're doing drawings, they well interesting and then they see it's a succession of drawings they were very shocked and said um, the drawings are not bad but the kind of genre you use for the drawings and I said well you mean doing comics and one teacher said well <clears throat> I didn't want to insult you so I didn't want to use this term so for them it was still a very obscene um, comics, doing comics, and he said, doing comics has nothing to do with art, and we are doing art here, and if you want to do comics, you should not go to art school, and that was that, and in a way, he's right, I think, mm -hmm. and in another way, he's very ignorant, of course, but in retrospective, I'm very glad I didn't go to art school. Probably saved you a lot of money. No, that's not the point, because in <laughs> Austria, it's for free. Oh, okay. That's why the TED don't take too many people, and they really can choose their students, and no um, teacher there would choose a student to, who does do comics, because they have no idea what comics is, and they 
want real artists in their classes. But I think it changed a lot, even in Austria in the last 15 years. So I think it would be possible today to go to an art school with comics and be accepted. I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I think so. You hope? Um, no, that's a difficult question because I'm not so sure about the... There are a lot of um, professors and classes um, doing comics at art schools now, and I'm not really sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Because I like the the weirdness of the people doing comics. They never went to art school. It was always some crazy guys, mostly sitting at home doing their little books. And and because they just had to do them. Mm-hmm. And now if you go to art school and you say, well, what should I learn? Should I become a painter or a comic artist? I think you don't have to go to art school to become a comic artist. You you do it anyway. What did your work look like at that point? Was it similar or were you doing different types of things? No, it was much more elaborated, much more conventional, I think. More like funny comics. And not really good. <laughs> and that's why I stopped um, drawing in this style because it took me too much work, too much time, and I I was never really uh, happy with the results. So after doing this for some years, I decided to use a different style that I could really um, do fast and relaxed. Because I never liked comics that look like a lot of work. I like it when it looks like it's been done uh, while drinking coffee or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, easy. I like works that are, uh, look like they are very easily done. Even if they are not easily done, I like when they look like it. Did I know you had um, a lot of books published by the uh, Association? Um, was that kind of getting exposed to folks making work like uh, Trondheim or Safar who are kind of a lot looser with their work and kind of able to create quickly um, was that an influence on you or effect on you at all? Yeah sure yeah sure it was a big influence firstly that the the amount of work you can publish this was a main influence so that if you're a comic artist, you can do two books a year, but also little projects, projects that are a bit strange or weird, and you can do all of this together, working for a big publisher, doing a mini-comic, doing a uh, autobiographic story, and at the same time, a fantasy comic. This was very inspiring to me, because in, in Austria and Germany, it was never the case. There have been comic book artists who do a book every two years and then there have been the fanzine artists and in between there was nothing and this was very inspiring that it showed me you can do anything 
also because of cousin friends they have the possibilities to be published in Austrian Germany it's much more difficult to publish such a lot because if you have a publisher he says okay we want to publish you but only one book every two years because we only publish five books a year and the amount of work they, the French publish was very impressive to me mm-hmm. and also the with the amount of work there comes a, a this quickness in drawing also you see on the page so it uh, didn't look like a lot of work like some I've never been a big reader of thick uh, comic books graphic novels I'm not a big fan of those because it looks like you sit down for three years do a fat book afterwards you're exhausted and I like to get an idea fast and hopefully a stupid idea even <laughs> and put it on paper and having till the luck to find a publisher and next week start another one so that's my approach more than brooding over one project for four years and, uh, and I think the French are similar in this they are much more open mm-hmm. for everything and of course they have the possibilities because they are the main publishers who finance the, the little projects too because your work is humor um, predominantly how um, does that play a role in trying to work quickly is it like you just think of something that's funny and need to get it out there no I never do this actually um, it's rather the opposite I always sit down and think now I'm going to make the main the main my main work I did never do a main book yet and I always want to sit down and do a main serious important book and all I can think of is something funny so I cannot be I cannot be serious if I'm uh, if some gallery or exhibition invites me to do a work for the exhibition I would think now I'm going to do real art or something serious and uh, all I can think of is a stupid joke and that's the way it is so it comes naturally I think for me if it's not funny there's something missing mm-hmm. it has not be uh, laugh out loud funny but there has to be some absurd amusing touch to it if it doesn't have this for me it's not really completed I have one friend who um, has a sketchbook that he just fills with all the puns he can think of to use in his work eventually and just with uh, all the fun he could think of the puns the pun yeah so every idea he had he put in a sketchbook um do is that would that be something that's kind of part of your process or what would we see in your artistic process <clears throat> yeah of course i've got a lot of sketchbooks 
big ones at home and small ones for traveling. And I put down everything that um, I could use later. This is very important for me. Things are here in the streets. Uh, a little story somebody tells me. It's very, very important. If I've got no idea what to do, I'm looking through old sketchbooks. <clears throat> this is, um, yeah, I think this is the main starting point to everything I do. I don't even really have a lot of sketches, which is bad fact doing exhibitions because I have only the sketchbooks and then I have the idea in the sketchbook. And then I have the original page and more or less nothing in between. <laughs> and still the, the drawing in the sketchbook, which is very simple mostly, is still mostly better than the, the finished drawing. Even uh, if I try to avoid a sketch in between, because I did a lot of sketches in between when I was younger, and it took a lot of time, and uh, I redrew and redrew the, the page again and again, and it got worse and worse. And I still try to get the, the simple, fast look of the first sketch in the, in the finished page, which is very tough to achieve because you're never happy anyway, and you try to make it better. And I think what my my main goal would be to really just draw and. Uh, on the page <clears throat> without any sketch first, but I'm not that good yet. <clears throat> I, sh I think Jean Sfar uh, is close to this because there are some terrible, really bad drawings in his books also, <laughs> and he doesn't care <laughs> because why should he? The story is in the picture anyway, and if the, if the face is a bit badly drawn, why not? And I think it's a good way because he gets ahead in the stories. He wants to tell a lot of stories. And why shouldn't he tell a lot of stories instead of telling just one, but with great drawings in it? So I think this is <clears throat> what I would like to achieve. I've heard one person talk about how um, Jack Kirby couldn't keep his costumes very consistent when drawing. Um, and it was interesting, like it's um, just the idea of just having to keep drawing and not revise and just have this done and not letting it hold you back. What do you mean? It's um, well, I didn't get the Jack Kirby. Uh, like what some of uh, some of his work, like the costumes wouldn't look the same from page to page. Uh, ah, okay. So they would like mm. keep changing a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And part of that I think is kind of what you're saying too, just um, having to keep working on the work and draw the work and have the work done. Um, yeah. And not yeah, get... I think it's very... Um, I think about this a lot because of course I... If you do sequences of pictures you want to to keep certain things the same, like the, the height of the character or the, the how large the nose is. And sometimes I'm very angry with me when I redraw 
it's because on another page the character looks a bit different and so on. But most of the time I'm strong enough not to redraw it because for me exactly this is the, the strength of the comic strip. So it's like um, in Crazy Cats. When I started, I, I always thought if there's a character standing in front of the house and he's talking for two pages, it is so boring to draw the house again and again and it has to look the same on each panel. And after reading Crazy Cat, you notice um, the house doesn't have to be the same and it doesn't even have to be a house in the next mm -hmm. image. And this is very relieving. And a lot of younger graphic novel authors in Germany especially, they are very strict and really they would draw the house exactly the same um, for two pages long. And for me this is not comics, this is boring. Because if you are shooting a movie, of course the character stands in front of a house, but in comics you can do anything. Why should you restrict yourself to being realistic? So if the costume changes from panel to panel, I think it's a good thing. Is there because it's more entertaining. Mm -hmm. Well, like with Crazy Cat, the, the backgrounds were some of the most exciting things in the book yeah. or or in the in the strip because it would just bounce around and just change and uh, be so vivid. Is there um, much of a comics community in Vienna? Um, was there many cartoonists well, there? Yeah, of course. In every uh, larger city, there are some people who do comics. In Vienna, of course, it's in a very small scale and um, there's always been about 15 to 20 people doing comics or mini comics or cartoons or something like this but of course it's uh, most of them don't do it as, a, as their main job mm -hmm. because you can't uh, you can't really publish in, in Austria comics and uh, there's now a, a publisher of, of books of literature books who's got a graphic novel series going so since four or five years there's the, for the first time a possibility for a young Austrian comic artist to be published by a, a real publisher which is very new and I think that's people will draw more if they see the possibility of being actually being published. Because years ago the only way you could have been published was going to the copy shop and making your mini comics. It so also we'll see if it changes. It also sounds like there's a really big dependency on, on the French market. Um, mm, not so, no, I, I'm not really that well informed what's going on in the market, but I think the French is not really big in in 
So when we speak about Austria, we also speak at the same time about Germany and, and Switzerland, which is the same language and market. So the Austrian market is very small. So mostly all we get is what German publishers publish. Mm-hmm. And I think um, German publishers still was the main, main income, still is manga at the moment. Manga, superheroes, and then some French comics. But, for example, Trondheim or Sva has never been that big in, in well, what I, countries. What I mean is um, to have work published in France, kind of the other way around. You mean Austrian authors being published in France? Yeah, like that is that kind of a yeah, bigger... This happens with, yeah, but this doesn't happen very often. I think there's been one book by a colleague of mine who's been published in France, Leopold Maurer, but I think that's the only one. Because the, the artists in Austria, they still, most of them still did not manage to do a bigger book. And of course, even the, the French publishers, what they really want are bigger books. Mm-hmm. And they, the, the Austrians are not really this concentrated on their work like the, the German. There are some German younger artists who really work three years on a book. And I think the typical Austrian artist would say, oh, that's too long. Why should I care? I do my mini comic instead. There's something exciting about that that um, mini comics are they're very important here, and it sounds like they're really important there. Um, and there's something yeah, yeah they are important that. for the maker. I think they're not important for the public, but they're important for the maker. I started mm-hmm. doing mini comics myself at the beginning because it's the only way you can start. If you don't have a publisher, and why should you have a publisher when you're just starting? The only way to be published is doing a mini-comic. So, of course, the world out there does not care about your mini-comic. But for you, it's very important. You have your own little book in your hands, and you can give it to publishers and so on. So, It's funny because the, the scene, the comic scene, is, is more or less the same everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere you find some mad person with their mini comics, and they are kind of this uh, kind of similar characters everywhere. Even if the country is completely different, people who do mini comics uh, are very similar everywhere. You were just in New York for Mocha. Um, yeah. So I can see just that's interesting, just seeing how things, some things uh, change and some things are always the same. Yeah, what did, in your opinion, what changes in in Canada or the states? Um, what's changed? Because like in, in Mocha, I saw a lot of mini comics. Yeah, I, but think, I think it's a specialized festival for independent things. I normally go to those kind of 
events, the more independent focused. Um, I think what I've seen is more people doing mini comics over the years mm -hmm. that I've been doing the show. It's definitely more and more and more mini comics because it's a way for someone um, not only to get exposed to a publisher, but it's also a way to find other folks that are making comics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. So it's like that community idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a bit different in, in France, for instance, because if you go to Angoulême, there's, there's a fans intent. And when I started going to Angoulême about 10 years ago, it was like the fans in, in the States that looked like real fanzines. Mm -hmm. And now through the cheaper printing processes, out of these fanzines, little fancy publishers, they grew a little uh, mini independent publishers scene. So if you look at their books now, they almost look like real books. So this is what I found interesting in the States, that there is not... Maybe it's a question of money, but uh, the people who do fanzines in France are trying to get very professional. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um. the the, pro the book production is getting cheaper, so they are not happy with the photocopied mini comics anymore, like they used to look. And they go more and more in the in a bit uh, commercial area with their work. But I think it's maybe also because in France the younger artists see that, is a, that doing comics is a possible way of making a living. And maybe in the States it's not this way. Well, it's, in, it's also interesting because we um, will see kind of more work going into the craft of the comic um, of the mini comic like I guess a European analogy would be like uh, the Denia Cree like we're seeing more work like that over here um, more silt screen more mm -hmm. odd printing choices um, which I'm I'm really excited about because it just uh, I love when someone really goes into creating this whole package yeah so you think they go more into the artsy direction? Um, maybe I'm looking more at the artsy direction. <laughs> uh, that's that's what what's kind of uh, getting me excited is um, yeah. folks that are really paying attention to what they're doing and um, know like just they're enjoying it and you can see there's that passion. I'm less excited by something that. Um, is kind of like print-on-demand book, um, mm -hmm. like that. They all kind of have the same feeling, and it doesn't. I don't really feel the artist's hand in it as much. Yeah, yeah. Print-on-demand is not a big issue in, in in Germany or in France. I think. I don't know how they finance the books, but they are they are generally. Uh, very well produced mm -hmm. books by very small independent publishers in France and Germany but I think it's also because 
the new generation, let's say 25-year-old artists, they have the impression, I have the hope that doing comics really is a job, is a job even in Germany now. So this has changed a lot because when I started to draw only the 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 weird characters who couldn't do anything else to draw, but now it's kind of uh, because of this graphic graphic novel hype we have in Germany, Austria, France. The publishers and the artists have the impression there's a lot of money in it, which of course it is not. But uh, <laughs> so um, it's going in a different direction than 15 years ago. It's good things and bad things all at once. The graphic novel hype is it? Is it still uh, in the states and in, in Canada? Because there. Are, has not been a graphic novel hype there, I think. For you, it's kind of natural. Or am I wrong? Uh, I think in different spots, it's different. Vancouver doesn't have a very big... Um, it's growing, the comics community, but we don't... Like, when someone comes to town, um, they don't get necessarily as a big crowd as they would in um, Seattle or Toronto. Um but I mean, there is some hype. Um, I think definitely when you look at mainstream comics, the superhero comics, um, there's a lot of hype around that. Uh, which yeah, really... but I'm I'm not speaking of superheroes, but more no. of the for the real hype in, in Austria at the moment is that comics. That's the only time newspapers write about comics now, which is a funny thing, is when they are very serious. So they are only interested in, in stories about comics are not superheroes anymore. They are high art and they um, are made for grown-ups and they deal with serious issues mm -hmm. like Persepolis and such. We've gone through that and now it's gone down and it's more um, been co-opted by um, by superhero publishers, uh -huh. um, because the, the the books did not sell as much as I would say it's so. um, maybe that, but also just how movies are kind of in the zeitgeist of um, what's out there culturally, uh -huh. and so people are more excited about Avengers movie than yeah, yeah. <laughs> say a new Craig Thompson book. Um, but the Craig Thompson book still was big. The Craig Thompson book, t I, I was in a big bookstore the other day, and they had a huge display of uh, of Habibi in there. Um, and so that was nice to see. Uh, but, I mean, when someone talks to me about comics, they immediately want to talk to me. If they don't know comics, ask yeah, me my thoughts Avengers. on the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in in Austria, if somebody doesn't know about comics, and I do, and I say I do comics, they first of all they say Asterix and Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. So we are not so much superhero infected. I I would rather uh, talk about Asterix than uh, than the Avengers. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was raised on it. <laughs> on Asterix? Yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah, it was um, the local library here had had it mm-hmm. and would mm-hmm. read it a lot. So, why don't we yeah, talk... Yeah, but it's a very, very interesting time because... Um, uh, for me now in Austria, because I don't have, I have no idea where the the new interest is heading to. Because there's a main interest now in comics in German-speaking language. What kind of work are they talking about? You're saying like serious work. So like, if I was to yeah, serious work, um, I did a book about uh, I did a literature adaptation. After a book of Thomas Bernhard, I don't know if you know him. No. Um, serious work, but also funny. And this got very uh, tons of reviews. And I did a book afterwards, Lone Racer. It was a reprint, but nevertheless new to the German market. And it got zero reviews. Mm-hmm. So the, they are not interested in an artist like me, but more in the topic, what is the comic book about? So if you do a comic book about a famous book, or if you do a comic book about uh, some politi- political conflict, they are interested, but only in the topic, not in the, the, the way it's done or that it's a comic book. So it's very... Um, very on topic but of course it's new that they don't mind that it's a comic book Mm -hmm. that's the new thing but of course the younger artists now, everybody is thinking there's been Anne Bellstoff did a comic about uh, one of the Beatles of the founding one founding member of the Beatles it was called Babies in Black Mm -hmm. I actually, I just interviewed him a couple weeks ago yeah and it was a huge success. And of course, you think this is good and you're very positive about it. But if you think about it, if you want to repeat this success, so if you if you want to do a similar book, you again you would have to find a topic that is interesting to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Actually, that I. It was interesting because I wanted to talk about the book itself, and it seems like he was used to answering questions about the Beatles, and not really happy about that. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that he wanted to do a book about this particular person, but it gets overshadowed um, by the other people around this person, and it's um, yeah, it's of course he didn't he didn't want. To the Beatles on the cover, I think, or the, the the name of the Beatles on the cover. And for him, it's not a book about the Beatles. No. But, of course, for everybody else it is, because it's what the, the publishers in, in, in China or whatever um, label it, of course, the comic about the fifth Beatles. So I think this is new to comics, especially in in my country. And I wonder what happens after this. I don't know. Because usually when when, when I was younger, it was the, the usual thing was you make a book about anything, you sell 700 copies, and everybody is happy. 
and now everybody wants more and that's uh, that's the difference between years ago and now there's more expectation there's more or expectation and if there's more expectation of course you are not so free anymore mm -hmm. do you allow that to affect your own work I think so because of course I have a lot of publishers now and everybody wants a book and of course everybody wants the important big book and I more and more go in the opposite direction and what, what I really would want to do would, would be a, a series of of comic books like 8-Ball or something like this where you could every couple of months you publish a new little comic book with little stories in it and this is completely what the publishers hate of course it's funny you mention that because that's kind of what happened here um, with certain folks wanting to instead of do um, big graphic novels uh, they're doing their comic they're doing their one person anthologies so um, folks but like how do they distribute it do they have a publisher who does this for them some of them do some of them don't um, like Michael uh, Cooperman uh, is also published by Fanographics uh, his mm -hmm. Tales Designed to Thrizzle um, is still published by Fanographics um but as a book or as a comic book as a series. comic as a comic series um love and well love and rockets was changed into a book format um but like there's uh a young man a uh, young canadian uh michael deforge who's been doing this series called lose um mm -hmm. which is published by a canadian publisher and it's uh you know amazing anthology of work that's all him um Sammy Harkham self-publishes his uh, Crickets comic, uh, but it's fantastic. Once again, straight to back to eight ball. Um, so there's some and folks. Uh, and that those are 32 pages comics or something like this. Yeah, Sammy's has gotten bigger, um, but like the other ones are 32 pages. Um, there's yeah, some, yeah. There's yeah, I could list off a whole bunch, and and it's definitely it's an interesting nostalgia where people are kind of going back to this certain way of making a comic um, yeah. because these huge graphic novels are so creatively <laughs> well and and, and off-putting um, so someone doesn't yeah, want to so serious I think that's not the reason most of the artists do comics too really limit themselves to this graphic novel format because it's a limitation I think it's hard when you go and stick yourself on one topic as you said for three years and that's yeah, it yeah. you're working yeah. on that and for some folks longer like Craig Thompson you know it was ten years or something like that maybe nine years eight years a lot of years yeah. Yeah. between books same with Chester Brown uh, between uh, Louis Riel and anything on either side of it um, took quite a long time 
Mm-hmm. So, but we haven't talked about your work very much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe that's got a reason. <laughs> There's not much to it. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, you're you're good at uh, changing topics. Um, yeah. <laughs> is Angel Man one of your more recent works in that you've yes. published in Austria, or is it? It's. Um, I did one book now, and Angel Man was the book before, so it was in 2009. And it's got a very funny, um, funny story behind it because I, I drew it for a. Um, very small publisher who did a lot of my books and they rejected it and one of the biggest publishers in Germany then published it so I switched from independent to mainstream with the angel man and the funny thing is that's exactly the topic of the book <laughs> so I had uh I have a miserable superhero now uh, flying at a very mainstream German publishers. And Angel Man had a very tough time in Germany because I think it was for Germany maybe it's working in in the States better because in Germany as I said it's now it's time for serious stuff. So a book like Angel Man, and it was more or less the reason why I drew Angel Man was that I'm very tired of the serious stuff, and I wanted to do a real comic comic, like a funny, nonsense, stupid, colorful, entertaining comic. And in Austria and Germany, it was completely the wrong time, because everybody wants to talk about how serious and grown-up comics are now. So Angel Man had a hard time in in Austria and Germany. I was thinking about the book um, and kind of thinking back to Asterix. And it is one of those works like Asterix which can kind of work with different age groups. Um, is that something you kind of intended to do? Is it kind of something that kids could read as well as adults? Um, I don't know if kids should read Angel Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think? I'm not so sure. My four-year-old son loves it. Is it the first book? I always get these piles of books from the publisher, my new book, and I opened the package. And this was the first book where I said, oh, this looks cool, was the first one. The others he thinks are too artsy-fartsy, I think. <laughs> But this is the first one he liked. Well, I think it's okay. But I for think kids. He, he might be bored from when he reads it. He might be bored from the um, from the court scenes and the contract uh, complications. <laughs> so, but for me, it's kind of the fun to, to make a superhero comic and then suddenly talk a lot about. Um, Gericht, judges and courts and so on. Taxes. It's not what you would expect in a superhero comic. No, but it's very much um, the background of a superhero comic. 
Um, is money. Yes. It's, it's money. Um, Actually, the main influence was the for the book was the conflict between Gaiman and McFarlane. I read about this in the Comics Journal. I think there was a 20-page story about Neil Gaiman suing Matt, Matt <coughs> what's his name, Todd McFarlane, mm-hmm. because they were fighting over who um, invented which character in the series. And I was so amused by this that the judge in court I uh, had to ask questions about the different superpowers of the characters. <laughs> and um, in the end, it turned out it was not only a, a very absurd court case, but also, also it was about, I think, uh, $10 million or something like this. So at this point, I found out superheroes or doing comics in the States can really be about money. I never thought about this, but I think they get a lot of money out of their work. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that case, it's its about money, and it's about... Uh, there's some other stuff involved, too. With, uh, but it's mostly about it's who... It's about money. Who had yeah. the idea that Lady Death or whoever can walk through walls? And the court had to decide. <laughs> Did you ever think comics could get that ridiculous? Sorry? Do you, Does the ridiculousness surprise you? Um, if it surprises me that, that it's ridiculous, or what do you mean? Um, like, it's just how ridiculous... It comes down to a court or a judge deciding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that was the inspiration for the court scenes in Angel Man. How about the um, the the character itself and uh, his his arch nemesis, the uh, the gender bender? Um, you seem to definitely be playing on uh, how much a uh, of a boys' club superhero comics are yeah I think so I have to admit I never put too much thought in the story (laughs) 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 I just I wanted to do a pink superhero that was my first idea and from then on it was just improvising from page to page but it's true. It's a very um, good interpretation. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, like th- it. I would use it for the next interviews. It's <laughs> my idea. <laughs> well, it's like um, from like a critical analysis reading it. I'm thinking like, oh, this is really great. He's uh, commenting on the uh, the gender identity issues of these like male figures and really breaking down <laughs> I don't know yeah it's all true it's all true yeah you're very right <laughs> <laughs> maybe I read too much into it <laughs> no of course gender issues are, are a very big thing in, 
Art scene. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's an old hat in Canada or the States. But in Austria, it's a big thing. Every artist is uh, talking about gender issues and uh, gender studies and so on. And of course, I read parts of this, so this is, I'm sure, uh, influence. But I can never really tell where the influence influences come from because I look here and there and I don't really have a main interest in anything. I'm more or less superficially interested in a lot of things. And then when I'm at the drawing table, it all merges into one thing. So I, I'm sure I'm, I'm the main influences are Neil Gaiman and gender issues. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or maybe you just want to have fun making uh, your own superhero universe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's um, for me the, the main point about doing comics: having fun creating something. Um, what kind of work do you have? Um, do you have any other work that may be coming out in English in the future? Um, well, the last book was the. Thomas Bernhardt adaptation, but I think it's a bit tough for Americans. So uh, my American publisher told me, at least. <laughs> and after this, I'm working at an adaptation of Alice in Wonderland as a big, serious graphic novel. And maybe this could work in the States. I don't know. Maybe it's too too often done in English, mm -hmm. but in, in for German language, it's it's okay to do it. But I need the money, so I have to do it. <laughs> what is about uh, Alice in Wonderland that's kind of exciting you as a focus on a serious work? Um, it's a longer story because it's. Uh, a big publisher asked me to choose one of the books they have in their back catalog, one of the famous books. Oh, okay. And the first one was this Thomas Bernhard novel, and it was a big success in, in, in Austria and Germany. And they wanted me to do a new one, and they said, pick a book. And it is very hard for me because, um, as I said, everything I do, at some point, it turns funny. Mm -hmm. So it's no use for me to ad make an adaptation of a Dostoevsky or Hermann Hesse or something like this. And if you have a closer look at world literature, you will soon find out real uh, works of real high literature rank that are funny are very rare. Mm -hmm. So there are not so many claimed classical books where you could say this is this got the potential of being a funny comic and I like the characters in Alice in Wonderland but reading Alice in Wonderland I thought this is an awful book I read it to my son and we both fell asleep I think two times uh, in 30 minutes it was awful <laughs> and Especially because the edition had no illustrations in it. I think the illustrations 
are very good. Mm -hmm. I think the book only is this famous because of the illustrations. I have uh, I have a nice Ralph Steadman version. Uh, Ralph Steadman? Yeah. Ah, uh, I don't know this one. The uh, the Gonzo artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. Okay. But yeah. not the his illustrations files. Yeah, he did a. a I only know the very old ones. And they're very good. Mm -hmm. Without those, it, the book has is, is pointless. But I think it's a good. Um, it's a good point to start off because I'm doing a very free adaptation so it's just the characters and all the rest is um, improvisation by me so the, the characters are the same like in the book but they tell completely different stories and it's going to be a very depressive Alice in Wonderland <laughs> I, very sad I'm looking forward to it but funny also in a way, mostly funny with a bit sad. It's okay to be a little sad. Yeah, it's, sure. it's something that struck sad me. Is funny about your work is that it's uh, the humor is kind of in the sadness, in like um, in the mundane of daily life. Um, I think I said that earlier, and it kind of really that that's what. I get out of it, and that's what I really enjoy is kind of you know it's sad, but it's funny, especially like yeah. the Lone Racer. Um, I think we're at about the end of our time. Um, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today, Nicholas. Thank you. I hope you understood everything. I did. Um, I understood almost everything. <laughs> that that's a, re a relief for me. Um, just to remind folks, uh, my guest uh, this week has been Nicholas Mahler. Um, his latest work is Angel Man from Fanographics, as well as um, you can find The Lone Racer and Van Helsing's Night Off from Top Shelf and a whole slew of work in a bunch of volumes of MoM. Um, thank you so much, Nicholas. I very much appreciate this. Thank you. It was nice talking.
Man wird nur ganz langsam mehr. 